I chose tonight a, a topic that I'm going to teach and that we're going to pray for some of you for. I have these beautiful pillows up here that I stole from the upstairs green room of, the, of, of Pastor Collins' office because you probably don't think about Jesus owning a pillow, but he did. And I'm going to read you the story that Jesus owned a pillow. We're going to talk about pillows in you tonight. Because I have found in my life privately and in my study of people and study of preachers that when I'm, I'm asked all the time, there's two questions I'm asked all the time about great preachers. Why do they make a mistake? And why do hidden evangelists die sick? Those are the two biggest questions that I get all the time from all over the world when I come to do the, the general series or open it for questions and answers. Why does a guy or a woman do something stupid? You read their story and go, ah, and they did it. You look at John Alexander Dowie, one of the great healing evangelists and pioneers of the late 1800s. He died thinking he was Elijah. And he built a city that he never was called to build that led to all the stupidity. And he said, then think, why did he do that? Then you look at some other things about healing preachers. Why did they die sick? Why did Catherine Kuhlman die of a heart condition when God used her to heal hundreds of people a night and win hundreds of people a night to Jesus through her miracle ministry, but she died of an enlarged heart? Don't you think that a healing preacher should get healed themselves? I mean, that's logical. I mean, Or Roberts, I talked about that, uh, this one that I love so much. He laid hands on over three million people that we have record of. He did this three million times. We have record of to pray for this because God put, for some reason, a healing power in his right hand. And so he had to touch people with that right hand. And when he was an older man out where he lived, where I lived in California, I went to his house one day to have lunch with him. I reached out to hug him when I went to to his front door, and he, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Because he just had surgery on his shoulder, his rotary cuff, because uh, it wasn't working, right? Because he wore it out doing this. And it bugged me for a whole month. Oh, your rotary cuff doesn't work, but yet you're the, that's the arm that did all the thing. And I thought to myself, I thought, couldn't he just kind of do this and <laughs> fix himself? And I, I know... See, I, I asked the question that you think and you won't ask, but I'll ask it. So I went the, the next time to see him about probably a month later and I, and he was bugging me because I didn't want Oral Roberts to be sick. I, I think he deserves to be a healthy old man and die a different way, you know, kind of thing. That was my heart for him. And I thought, I'm going to ask him, Brother Roberts, why did your shoulder wear out? If there's that much power going through it, couldn't just take care of that and keep it juiced up and oiled up and make it all work right? Why didn't you have to have the doctors go in there and fix it to where he couldn't even lift his arm properly anymore? It could always just come about here. And I, I said, couldn't you just, you know, take your gift and just shake a high and hit yourself? Because I've been... Boom, I've been hit by that hand when he prayed for me and I've seen him pray for others and I know the power that comes out of that hand. It's the real deal. It's not hocus pocus or emotional stuff. And uh, so I said, I want to ask you a question. 
why don't you heal yourself? You know, just mm, do it. And I did that. And here's what he said. He goes, I tried and it didn't work. And I got more confused. Your gift only works on others and not for yourself. So we had a major discussion on healings and things like that. But these are the two big questions that I get all the time. Why do great people make mistakes? And why do healing evangelists die sick? And it all comes back to the pillow. I know you're confused. That's why it's called a sermon. In Mark 4 and 35, I'm going to read starting there tonight. The same day when evening was come, he said unto them, let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the crowd, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. Yeah, they follow you even across the sea in their little ships. And there rose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship. That means it was filled up with water, so that it was now full. He was in the hinder part of the back part of the boat of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said unto him, Master, don't you care that we perish or die? And he got up and left his pillow. That's my rendition. And rebuked the wind and the sea and the peace, he said, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? And I was a jab, no faith. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? He had just finished a crusade, as we would call it in our vernacular today. He had preached his sermon from a boat, pulled back from the beach a little ways. And he stood there so he could address the crowd that was at the beach, the seaside. And when he finished his ministry, they just backed the boat out and was taking him across to the other side. And there was a pillow in this boat and Jesus was tired. The Son of God, the miracle worker, the deliverer, the oracle, the living example, was tired. And he had a pillow by which he used to sleep with. He laid his head on a pillow in the back of the boat and went into obviously what we call a deep sleep, so deep that the pounding of the water or the waves and the storm did not awake him. That was called real good sleep. That the boat going back and forth and the, the trouble buses going, help me, we're going to die. Oh my God, here comes another wave. They, they weren't whispering, they were yelling, they were fearful. And finally they said, get him up. They had to wake him up in the midst of a storm where the boat was filling up with water. Look at this picture. And he was in the part of the boat, asleep on a pillow. In Daniel chapter 7, let me read you another verse and hold your place there. In Daniel 7, we have a very other interesting little phrase or verse that I want to give you. In Daniel 7, 25, says here in this verse a little phrase, and he shall speak great words against the Most High, 
and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Daniel 7, 25. Shall wear out the saints. The number one reason that I have found in studying and researching and talking and observing why great people make mistakes is not first the devil. I used to preach it like that. That the devil is the number one enemy of your life. He may be number two or number three, but I don't think he's number one anymore. I think tiredness is the number one entrapment by which most of the other things find entrance into a person's life. So at this point in my life, I will say to you, the number one reason why great people fall and great Christians make mistakes is because of this thing that we deal with called exhaustion and tiredness. They don't own a pillow. They own a notebook and an iPad. And they're working, working, working because they love Jesus. And they want to get the job done. They want to get the work of God done. And they're passionate about it. But in the middle of that, they forget they are confined to this thing called a body. And a mind and a human spirit. When you're tired, you permit things you would not permit to enter your world. When you're tired, thoughts that would never find a place to begin to germinate, find a place to germinate in your mind that never would have any other time. You would cast them down and shake them out of yourself and bind them and go on. You would do that. Take your thoughts into captivity. When you're tired, you say yes and no to things that should not have been said yes to or no to. The number one reason why you've made many of your mistakes is not because you're a bad person and not because some of you are simple. If you come to this church, you can't stay simple. This is one of the greatest teaching churches on the globe, let known in all of England. And many of you have been here for years, so you can't be simple. You've got to be highly spiritually educated if you've been listening while you're here, not doing a grocery list in your head while Pastor Colin's preaching. Thank you for that. Mm. Are you with me? Yes. Tiredness is something that you cannot pray out. You must deal with. And the Bible says in Daniel 7, 25 again, that the devil comes, the enemy comes to wear out the saints. That is one of his great traps. In the days of Mr. Dowie, he was an Australian that came from Scotland. Dowie was Scottish. And he went to Australia. It took him six months by boat to get there in those days. And he began his ministry. And the phenomena of miracles were so unusual in those days that the people around him began to tell him, you're Elijah, the restored one. The first time he heard that, he kicked those guys out of his office and out of his church and told them, don't you ever come back. But later in life, when he got tired, those words begin to germinate in his mind. 
to where he began to embrace them and begin to believe to where I have a signature. He signed his name, Elijah, comma, the restorer. He died with a bad reputation after a tremendous ministry life that he had. You sit there and you wonder how. He would go sometimes several days without sleep and rest. He was a tireless worker. He didn't think sleep was important to him. But a tired mind cannot bring into captivity and regulate the thoughts and the emotions as you should because you don't have the strength to do that. But I'm anointed, but you're human. But I saw Jesus, but you also are human. Uh, mm, uh, mm. <laughs> so don't start telling me your credits of how many times the Lord glowed at you throughout your life and gave you a vision. And that Gabriel blew the trumpet in your right and left ear on two different occasions and all these other signs and wonders. You still are a human that is confined to a body that must control your mind and keep a renewed part in your spirit. The men that made it well, one would be Or Roberts. Seems like I talk about him a lot today. He would preach sometimes six weeks every night to 25 plus thousand people in a tent and pray for a hundred or so a night by the land of hands. The last night of his crusade, the American newspapers have reported on many occasions that the prayer line, the last night, because he'd pray for everybody no matter what, because that was the last night, the prayer line would sometimes be two to three miles down the road from the tent waiting for people for him to touch. And he would go and lay hands on them one by one and touch them very quickly, but walk two to three miles to the place that his suit was like he was in a swimming pool because he had sweated so much. And at times, his associate evangelist told me he was so tired, his eyes would begin to like go cross because he lacked the strength to keep them in their proper position in, in, in his head. I asked him one time, how did you survive that? He said, one, there was a grange to preach during that. Every time, every day at two o'clock, he went to his room and shut the door and laid on the floor before God until he felt the power to preach that night. Nobody could call him. Nobody could come to him. They knocked on the door. It's time to pick him up and take him to the tent. And even the driver was not permitted to say hello or goodbye. You don't mess with him. You respect that he is focused and under the hand of God. He'd come from behind that tent and preach the masterful sermons that he had and pray for them. I said, what happened when you went home? It took him two weeks of waking up for breakfast, eating with his family and going back to bed and sleeping and maybe eating an evening meal. And it would take him 14 days, two weeks, to rest and get his strength back to where he could properly make decisions and do what he was called to do because he had given everything he had physically and mentally. He said, I made sure that when I got done, I went home. I didn't go do an interview. I didn't go to the office to make a decision. I was tired in my mind. I was exhausted in my body. My spirit was wearied because I'd emptied my soul for night after night and prayed for thousands of people, and I had nothing to give, not even much to my family. His family would suffer in the ways of knowing how to relate to a father that would come home after a crusade 
so tired to barely give their greater love of a father to a child. He talked to his son Richard and them. They said we had to learn to let dad sleep. And when he got back to being dad, he'd ride horses with us. He'd be our dad. And we could, but that's the way we learned to live with our father. He learned how to manage the demand of God and how it affected his body. Today we have people all over the world who don't recognize how you've been created. In Thessalonians, it says that we are a three-part being. We are an eternal spirit that lives in a physical body that owns a mind. You are a three-part person. There are three different kinds of tiredness you will deal with in life. You will deal with physical and mental and spiritual tiredness and exhaustion. And I want to talk to you about those three things. And I'm taking it slow tonight because I'm going to pray and we're going to have our team pray for people who's not been sleeping well with their pillow. Now you laugh and I understand how I said it is funny, but some of you live under the night terrors of torment where when you go to sleep, your mind does not stop. When you go to sleep, your body still is raging with its nervous things and you don't awaken refreshed in your being and refreshed in your mind to face your family and your staffs and, and, your, and your ministries and your businesses. And so you're a grouchy old soul that nobody likes. You're anointed, but no one wants to eat with you. That's what we got to talk about. There is physical tiredness. Why does a healing evangelist die sick? Because they break the physical law of their body. You have a limitation about you. But I'm anointed, but you have a body. I had a great call, you have a body. I felt... <laughs> Everything you say, I'll remind you, you have a body. Some of them are pudgy. <laughs> You've not cared for them, right? You've allowed exhaustion to dictate your care. Catherine Kuhlman was the greatest preacher I ever saw in my life. She died about a decade early. She could have lived another 10 to 15 years if she'd have taken care of her body. Her doctors told her, Miss Kuhlman, you're getting older. I know you're not supposed to tell a woman that, but sometimes, ladies, you got to realize you are. <laughs> you can stretch it, you can pull it, you can cream it, but you still are. <laughs> All right? You can hide it, but you still are. Good evening, everybody. Enjoying my pillow sermon? I know what's wrong with her. I said, preach on the pillow. I said, at KT? <laughs> so I guess somebody needs a pillow and know the value of it. They said to Catherine, slow down. You're, you're, you're working too hard and it's affecting your body. When she heard that, she sped up and died a decade early. She died of overworking her body and her heart where it became the size of two fists instead of one. That's what she died of, February 21st, 1976 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She died of an enlarged heart condition. They had given her some 
operations and done stuff, and she was tired, and she was weary in her soul by being all the worst time of her persecution had been at that time, and she wanted to leave, and God obliged his servant's request and took her home. Her body was laid to rest, but her spirit was now free. But she left, I think, about 10 years earlier. Reinhard Bonnke, the great evangelist that you all know that's been here, some of you have seen his great crusades in Africa, outstanding man of our time, a general in our time, has slowed down because his body has crusaded across the continent of Africa to the point that it's tired. It carries in his body the wear and tear of the African crusade that he loves so much, from Cape Town to Cairo. And he did it, and all the other things that he did. He understood that his body, his heart, was weary. Instead of being like Catherine, hallelujah, he decided to listen to common sense and his doctors and said, I want to live as long as I can to preach and to encourage everybody I can to win souls for Christ. So he, God gave him a young man named Daniel Kalinde, which you've seen here at this church, to come alongside him and begin to take the mantle of that great ministry. And now it continues with that young man, with the father, still alive, praying, advising, encouraging. And every once in a while, he'll appear for 20 minutes and, and leave. <laughs> He's managing himself well. I think that's good and we should cheer him. We should pray for him. Billy Graham is 90-some years old. He has Parkinson's, he shakes like this. I met him. God told me if I'd studied the generals, he'd let me meet all the ones that were alive and Billy was one of them, so he can't die until I met him, I told Jesus. <laughs> so for a while, I was keeping him alive. <laughs> you can't die until I get to shake the man's hand. And I met him by accident or by divine appointment, really. I was in Los Angeles checking out of a hotel after doing a TV interview there in L.A. And I was checking out, and I saw a man with a ball cap on and sunglasses and a jacket sitting on the little bench in the sun right in front of the hotel by himself. And he had the Billy Graham jawline. See, I know my preachers. <laughs> Even I know your fingers, I know your jaw, I know the sound of your voice. I know you. I kept looking as I was checking out and paying my bill, and I'm like, I told my assistant, go out there and, See if that's Billy Graham. If it is, do this and I'll come. He walked out there and he goes, <laughs> I left my wallet, I left my briefcase, I left everything, excuse me, and I ran out the door. God can take care of my wallet while I'm meeting Billy. And uh, I didn't realize I'd done that. I was so excited. So I ran out there. I said, Dr. Graham, why are you by yourself? Are you okay? Because you didn't think a guy like that need FBI agents to walk everywhere you go, you know? He says, I'm just preparing to go preach somewhere in Northern California. I flew out here to rest and to pray and to get ready. I said, I'm so glad you did. I've been wanting to meet you. And uh, I said, I have a question. I have just one. Really, I had more, but I was only going to say one. And uh, I said, why are you great? 
Why are you a great preacher? Why, why are you the Billy Graham? Why are you like that? What, what is it? You know, he looked at me and, and taking his shades off and he said, because I do one thing only. God told me to win souls for him. And everything I say and everything I do is for that purpose. I've never wanted to do anything else. I respect others, but that's what I'm called to do. And I said, and you did it well. I said, will you sign my Bible? I forgot he had Parkinson's. It took him 10 minutes. I said, Dr. Graham, I said, he said, no. I said, I would. It took him 10 minutes to sign my Bible. I love that Bible. I look at it all the time. He's still alive because he was aware of how to take care of himself. And we want him to stay alive as long as God will give him breath to breathe. Whether he preaches or not, he can sit there in North Carolina and just live and irritate all the demons he beat up all those years of winning those souls and things. I want you to be like that, not like Dowie, who went cuckoo. Or as much as I love Miss Kuhlman, to go early. And you have to understand the law of your body. You are limited by a physical body. You are anointed at times, and when you're under the anointing, there seems to be nothing you cannot do. You feel the impossibility of God's power flowing through you, making all things possible. At that moment, you're immune to tiredness. You're immune to pain. You're immune to those things. When you're under the anointing, it's like a spiritual high. And men and women get addicted to the anointing. And they live for the thrill of that power that comes on them. And they don't realize how to live a life with that anointing. And they keep breaking the physical laws of their body. When you break the law that governs the health of your body, you will get sick. If you keep breaking it, you'll have a chronic sickness. And even then, if you keep breaking it, you will die prematurely. And I don't care how prophetic you are, how apostolically creative that you are, you have a body. And it says, feed me and give me a pillow. And you better do both. Jesus had a pillow that he had in that boat that he used, which gives you an insight that Christ knew how to take care of his physical body, even being the great son of God coming to the earth to show us the way of salvation unto God. If Christ had to rest and use a pillow, I think you do too. Amen. When your body is tired, go home and put it to bed and turn your phone off and put it in the underwear drawer. 
so you can't hear it vibrate. Or put it in the kitchen cupboard or in the, put it in the refrigerator. Do something with it so it won't get you. It's amazing how you're tuned even in your sleep to hear the vibration of your cell phone. I was with school teachers a few months ago at Rick Joyner's school where I was teaching. And I have noticed in my country that they're giving all of our children's redlin to stop the I thought, you know, when I was little, we had recess. And we had kickball and football. We ran around and sweated, and then we went back in and learned math and, and learned it. We didn't take pills. We went and sweated. We ran outside. And we weren't fat little kids. We were skinny ones going, ah, and screaming. Now when you drive by an American schoolyard, they're all little fat little, little tubby little kids trying to walk, letting them run. <laughs> well, it's true. Don't look at me like that. You're about as bad too. So I asked, I asked the school teachers and them, I said, I, I, I want to ask a question. I haven't had time to research it. I, I don't know. But I said, why are the doctors in the schools in our country giving this medicine to all of our little girls and little boys? Well, is, is there really a problem? And they brought a, a thought to me that I never had. That with all the stimulus of our, of our phones and video games and things that you and I did not grow up with the same way, that they're their consciousness and their awareness is so stimulant that they, they, they don't have, they live like this all the time. And that's part of the problem. And you know, you're about the same way. The adults are the same way. There are things you've done in your life that you look back on and go, ah, 